0: Indeed, our prayer is that God would revive us again every day. Revive us with that that, that knowledge, that sense, that that belief, that awareness, that feeling in in our depth of God's unbounded mercy and grace, His compassion, His uh, affection for us. Uh, That, that, as Paul said, that, that... the, the height, the width, the depth, and the, the length of God would be known in our inner being. That which is unknowable that we would know. That which is uncontainable somehow we would contain in our own spirits. And what, as we've been walking through this journey home, We've come over and over again to to recognize that God has created us, created this world for us to be at home with Him, with one another, at home with ourselves. That was the very purpose of His creation. Yet we go our own way. We seek to create our own home instead of resting in the home God has for us. Our passage this morning is uh, one that where Jesus tells us a story that reminds us about how creative we are as humans, how creative we are in terms of trying to make our own home instead of resting in the home God has for us. And it's a wonderful reminder of God's abounding, unending delight and affection in you, in me, and in all, who he seeks to welcome home at any time and any place. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 15. We'll start with verse 11. It's on page 850 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along in your own Bible, or whatever form uh, that you have the scriptures in. And we'll start with chapter 15, verse 11. Let's pray together. Gracious God, I thank you again for your written word that corrects the the lies of this world, that that corrects us in our own um, fallenness, in our own brokenness, uh, that corrects the lies of the evil one. Open, indeed, our very hearts to receive from you this word of truth of your very character. Feed our faith. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. We'll start with verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. With the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. Now, let's just camp out here for a little bit with this uh, younger son, and we we see how he's uh, the classic example of one who's seeking to make his own home. Right? He has told his father, You're better off dead than alive. Give me my stuff, give me my freedom, and let me go make something of myself. Let me go make my home. Classic example of one who wants to create his own home. And yet, it flops. I mean, he hits bottom. It is disastrous results, ultimately, where here this boy finds himself feeding pigs, wanting to eat the pig slop, but not able to. Why do you think, why do you think that he hasn't turned home yet? What is it within him? Just as you know of this this story of this younger son, why has he not returned home? And why at this stage is he still working his plan? I think there's two things. Well, there's a bunch of things going on, but two main ones, I think. He's embarrassed and scared. Right? What's he going to do when he returns home? How's he going to admit it? How are folks going to respond? Well, let's, let's read on verse 17 through 24. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And they began to celebrate. If you can consider why the younger son took so long to return home. If he was embarrassed, if he was scared. Notice how the response of the father totally dispels those fears and that embarrassment. You know, maybe some of you here who can relate to the younger son you you've tried your own way you've gone your own way making home for yourself through whatever it means and you're you're realizing it's not bringing you life that it's broken don't wait till you hit bottom if it's a, a life of, of pornography you now turn to jesus turn to him if, if it's a life of greed and materialism, turn to Him. If you've wasted your life in drugs or in alcohol, addiction, addicted to food or, or technology, whatever it is, don't be embarrassed nor scared before your Heavenly Father. Or if you've, you've just given yourself to the American dream instead of to God's dream, and you've sort of sold out to a mediocre life of living for yourself with no real commitments, no real purpose, no real adventure. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be scared. Wherever you find yourself... I mean, look at what this younger son did. He told his dad, Hey, you're better off to me dead than alive. I want the, one, the two things that really matter to me, my money and my freedom. And yet, when he hit bottom, look at how the father responded. I do not care what life of crime you've been living. God knows it. You're not hiding anything from God. Whatever you're doing, to make your own home. Don't be embarrassed or scared. Turn to the Father. But this is how He will respond to you. He will welcome you with open arms. He will throw a party. He will celebrate you. Don't be scared. I mean, look, I mean, the son would have had good reason to be scared, right? I mean, you do that to your father, and you come home. My kids do that to me, and they come home. This is not the plan. This is not how it's going to work out. We're talking a contract. We're talking, you might stay away. I need to breathe real heavily here. I need to see signs that things have changed, but that's not the way of the Father. That is not the unbound affection of God for you and for me and for anyone. I don't care what they've done. That If there's any limitation to the grace of God, then you, you have taken away the work of the cross and its power. That's the power of God's love and grace and mercy. I mean, look look what he did. He protected this no good son. He humiliated himself in order to protect him. He pulled up his clothes. He exposed, should have worn shorts. That would have really added to it, wouldn't it? He exposed his legs and he ran. No self-respecting first century Jew would have ever run across the village exposing his legs. He humiliated himself in order to protect him because the village would have killed him. I mean, this boy totally upside down turned around the rules of the village. They would have killed him if they'd seen him. But the father protected him. You scared to turn to the father He will protect you. And and I'm committed to pray for and and for us as a church to protect you as well. You know, it's, it's in our history. There are stories of folks in our history who've admitted before the congregation their adultery. And we as a church received them, welcomed them, walked with them, uh, stories in, in our church of people in the church who have stolen money from the church. And we've sought to receive them, forgive them, walk with them. Because we seek to live out as a church even that character. That gracious, scandalous grace of the way of God. And the cross is the ultimate expression. God the Son, Jesus the Christ, hanging on the cross, humiliating himself for our forgiveness. God, the the one who is at the creation of the world, is there, scantily clad with nails in his hands and his feet. A mockery to all, humiliated without deserving an iota. Of that humiliation, in order to secure our forgiveness, in order to protect you and me from condemnation, from judgment, death, to rescue us from the wrath of God. Scandalous. It's a scandalous grace, an affection that God has, an emotional motivation to care for us we're told that the the father when the son was a long way off he had compassion in his heart had compassion and actually the, the word's a great word it means his bowels were moving it's different than how we think of bowels and moving in the first century that means it's really a deep compassion it is from his very heart and soul from his very core That's the character of God, that compassion that has joy when we return, that throws a party, says, hey, bring them all, throw a party. Can you grasp that? I I have a feeling that a lot of us in this room have a hard time grasping that God delights in you. It may be that's where you need to hang out. Maybe this week you just need to hang out and think, did God throw a party for me, really? Yes, he did, and it's a lie of the devil, a lie of this world, and a lie of your your own brokenness to not recognize that God threw a party for you when you returned home, or that God will throw a party for you when you return home. You may just need to hang out in that. Just sit and imagine. Just visualize this party and you being at the center and your heavenly Father being the one effusive with praise and delight. I mean, that's the picture that Jesus paints here of the character of God. Now, let's let's continue reading this, uh, this story that Jesus tells us. Now, verse 25, now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, what was going on? He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he got him back safe and sound. Then he, the older brother, became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. And I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Now, look, there's the older brother. He's no different than the younger brother. He may be physically at home, but spiritually he's just as far away from home as the younger son. He's, He's just as prone to trying to make his own home and the father responding him with the same grace and mercy but the older son can't turn home yet uh, i think two reasons one is quite obvious he's angry no i think the other is he's confused They're related. He's angry because his plan is wrong. All the work that he's been doing that's supposed to be accomplishing for him a a higher favored status in the eyes of his father really is not. In his mind, it's for naught. It has not accomplished anything according to his plan. Remember back when computers um, didn't back up themselves automatically? Yeah, and remember one time, uh, the old computer lab. I was typing away on the computer, and when I got up, um, I kicked the plug. Yeah, and the computer died, and my paper vaporized that I've been working on for hours. Talk about angry! Never cussed at a computer so much in my life. But that's how this son had to have been feeling at this time. I mean, his plan, all of his work that he thought was earning him some place of higher favored status in the eyes of the Father. wasn't because there's no way he could add to it. He was already there. But he refuses to see that. He's confused because he's wondering, now wait a minute, what's this work all about? I mean, the younger son has just messed up his life. It has messed up his plan. The Father receives all who come to him no matter how messed up they are. The Father loves him and me equally without condition? He, he can't receive that at this moment. He's unable to trust his Father. Does his Father really have that kind of love for him? I mean, it goes so much against the grain of the way of his life the very plan that he's been working, the home that he's been making for himself. He doesn't know the older son. He doesn't know if he can trust his father nor love his younger brother. The older son is caught in this vicious cycle of the cycle of works. That what he does and accomplishes is what then gives him significance and then earns the father's love. You know, I had a, um, a great little email interaction uh, with a member of the congregation a couple weeks ago. who was just saying, you know, I don't feel like I deserve God's mercy. And, and as I sat with that a moment, wondering how to respond, I thought, "They're right. They don't." They don't deserve God's mercy, by very definition. You don't deserve God's mercy. You receive God's mercy. It is the the goodness, the blessing, the benefits of God that come to us because we don't deserve them. To, To get what we deserve is called a paycheck. And God is not our employer. God is our loving creator with an unbound affection and delight, unending mercy and grace for us. God sees both sons as beloved children. He throws a party for one. And for the other, he daily enjoys his work on the farm together with him. He throws a party for one, and with the other, he daily enjoys work on the farm with him. I have to admit, I can so easily fall into the trap of the older brother. I, I so much want somehow to achieve God's love, God's purpose. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's the lies of the world. I, I mean, this, this series walking through my plan home, you know, I see a number of things in my own experiences, a number of ways that I bought into the lies of the, the devil that say somehow I've got to contribute that it's up to me instead of it being up to Jesus. It is, is hard for me. I mean, I, I've got to put together just the, the best sermon, right? And, and, and it's got to be so good that more and more people want to hear it so that the church will grow in numbers and numbers, right? Boy, man, you start to get lost in that. Next thing you know, you got an ulcer. No. Rest in the blessings of God. Join with God on the work on the farm, in the joy of ministry, of being able to, to share and to proclaim and teach the best news the world has ever heard. With whom do you relate? That's the question this week as you as you continue to look at this particular story of Jesus, yeah, you know, with whom do you how do you relate to the younger son and the older son? What gets in your way from truly receiving and believing that God has an unending affection for you? That He delights in working with you on the farm every day. What prevents you? What lies do you believe? What personal experiences have, have so scarred you? What, what lies of the evil one do you, do you take in? How, maybe like me, does your pride and arrogance get in the way from coming home? I have a little video uh, for you. And invite you to watch, to reflect on those. What are the things that hold you back from coming home and receiving that love and blessing in the party of the Father?
1: Regrets collect like old friends, here to relive your darkest moments. I can see no eye, I can see no way. And all of the ghouls come out to play. And every demon wants his pound of flesh. But I like to keep some things to myself. I like to keep my shoes drawn. It's always darkest before the day.
0: It is the very character of God, an unbounded affection, a scandalous grace, even a sacrificial humiliation for you. I invite you to return home for the first time, for the 101st time, to correct, to have corrected, the lies of the world, of our own making, or of the evil one. To not let embarrassment, fear, anger, or confusion stop us, but to let go. Let go of your plan and rest in God's loving arms for you. Hope this week that you'll, again, continue to take time to marinate in this particular story of Jesus this aspect of God's character in your small group working through the book and as well you'll see in the book you'll see in your bulletin a prayer experience that's this available this week for you to take an hour to continue to be led through a time of focusing our attention being uh, having our minds renewed in the scandalous grace of your loving Heavenly Father Amen.